0: Hello and welcome to Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we have been interviewing politicians, activists, advocates, and others since 2016 with the intention of ennobling public service, creating a platform for positive civil discourse, and facilitating dialogue with difference. This show is the antidote for those who are tired of hearing about what's going wrong with the world. We showcase people just like you who are working to leave the world better than they found it. And that's good news. And now a word from former President John F. Kennedy with his views on public service. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I'll remind you that this show is made possible by viewers like you. If you appreciate what we're doing here at Public Interest Podcast and enjoy this episode, please contribute $1 at publicinterestpodcast.com. And to express our gratitude, we offer a few freebies to our supporters. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by BarkBox. BarkBox basically delivers four to six treats uh, for dogs every single month around a surprise theme. So Some of the themes I thought were kind of fun were uh, Jurassic Bark, where everything is kind of uh, dinosaur-themed, or New York City, uh, Throwback Thursday, Sniffin' Safari. So a lot of fun. Uh, every month to just get a few treats in the in the mail for your dog. I know that I grew up with a dog. We have a golden retriever right now. And uh, as much as he loves his sticks and tennis balls, uh, when he gets a new toy, he uh, loves tearing it up for the 30 seconds that it lasts. Uh, pretty destructive dog. So anyway, um, if you go uh, to getbarkbox.com slash public interest, you get a one free extra month of BarkBox. So if you use that special URL referencing Public Interest Podcast, just go to getbarkbox.com slash public interest, and when you sign up, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox. Bark. Enjoy. We're here today with Al Feldstein, uh, a political collector of cause, protest, and campaign buttons, banners, and photos, who describes himself as the Wears Waldo of the demonstration world. Al, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you.
0: Excellent. So the first question I'd like to pose to you is what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why?
1: Well, in terms of advancing the public interest, uh, whenever I go to an event, whether it be, for instance, a Mm pro-gun or a gun control, pro-life, pro-choice, I always collect as many photographs as I can of the event, literature, material, buttons and get duplicates and I share these for instance with a Frostburg State University their public policy institute and right. make sure they have copies they disseminate that out to the students whether it be in the women's studies programs mm-hmm. political science history I work with the local high schools matter of fact just yesterday I was with the historical research methods class mm-hmm. at Ford Hill High School in Cumberland Maryland you know I share this information with social studies teachers history teachers various groups on the local level like uh, the Women's Action Coalition of Greater Allegheny County mm-hmm. I also make sure the newspaper has knows I have these photographs buttons things like this whenever they want to do a graphic to complement a story in other words and also uh, I have five websites that I volunteer with through the Western Maryland Regional Library the Western Maryland Historical Library in Hagerstown and these focus on uh, African American history women's history presidential campaign buttons, Allegheny County, Maryland campaign buttons, things like this with also little narratives and captions, and a lot of students contact me through that to either permission to use the buttons or the information on there. So in terms of disseminating, sharing, everything I collect, both sides of the issue is put out there for people to use, and I avoid edit, editorializing or anything like this.
0: So why do you do this? Why do you go out of your way? How, and how long have you been doing this?
1: Mid to late 1960s, and well, how long's this interview? <laughs> it back in about 1966 or 1967, I was sitting in a last period POD class, Problems of Democracy, mm-hmm. and my best friend from kindergarten was sitting next to me, and he was called out of the room.
0: And, you know, didn't see him What do you say, a, my best friend from kindergarten or had, in kindergarten? From kindergarten. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, were in, we were in love at their 12th grade, uh, grade okay. I believe.
1: But he was called out of the room and didn't see him for a week later, but we found out that his older brother, and this kid's from the neighborhood, he was yeah. an older brother, but we all know each other. He was killed in Vietnam. Just graduated from Johns Hopkins. Smart guy, football, you you know. And that unsettled me to an extent. You know, and you know why, why, you know. And I began to question things. And the following year, I, I went to University of Maryland. And back then, I think the only people who were talking about the war against it was SDS,
0: Students for a Democratic Society. Is so, that what? Uh, did, did eventually they begin partnering with John Kerry with the veterans against the Vietnam War or something?
1: Um, I know John Kerry back in the early '70s spoke before Congress, but. I don't know of any official relationship or anything like that. All right,
0: so you knew the SDS.
1: Yeah, and I went to a couple other meetings, and, well, this is, uh, I can't see it here, but... So for no, our
0: listeners who can't see, Al is showing me a photograph. Describe the photograph to me, Al. This is from the fall of 1967. Black and white, I see a few people, some yet, posters. Yeah, and we're handing out brochures in front of the old coal field House to protest down... Are you in there? That's me, with the thin guy with the hair. He has a plaid jacket on, yeah. some people have longer... It's kind of like Beatles haircuts, and well, he's uh, handing out pins. Yes, yeah, but I want to emphasize, I was never a hippie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we
1: were handing out flyers, talking about Dow Chemical Company's mm-hmm. use of chemicals to defoliate, and also the Asian arms stuff. and uh, you know.
0: So I did a couple things, but I was a small-town boy. So like, this Vietnam War stuff was starting to hit home. Yes. And that's originally what got you interested in politics.
1: Politics, public policy, the First Amendment, bottom line of all that.
0: But I went to a couple Well, without the First Amendment, you wouldn't be able to yeah. do engage in these activities. Well, this, this ties into what I'm about to tell you.
1: I'm a small-town boy. Mm-hmm.
0: I grew up following the Memorial
1: Day parades in the cemetery across from the house. Mm-hmm. Respect for police, authority. I have an uncle who was killed in World War II. I'm named after him.
0: Did you grow up in Western Maryland? Yes, yeah, okay. city of
1: Cumberland. Okay. And I was at these SDS meetings, a couple of them. In the middle, and in the front of the room, you had the organizers, the SDS people. They just weren't against the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. They were talking about a lot of stuff that I held, you know, not sacred, but, you know, the government, mm-hmm. the authority, America in general. Right. And I didn't, How did that make you feel? I didn't like it. But at the same time, against the back wall... And I remember this specifically because I was friends with them. some of them. Were the University of Maryland track team hmm. lined up against the back of the wall, about a room half this size, and they were screaming at the SDSers. So they nothing were violent. Nothing violent. More
0: pro government and anti protesters. They, they were anti SDS, and this yeah. was him.
1: Like I said, 67 or so of the Vietnam War. In Western Maryland. I mean, this is taking place for those of us. this is is taking place at the University of Maryland.
0: Okay, so this is in College Park. So you traveled down there.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was going to school
0: there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was
1: a freshman in 1967. And uh, on the one hand, I did not like what the SDSers were saying. Yeah. But on the other hand, I felt they had a right to say it. And after two of these meetings, I just felt a a pox on both their houses, Uh and I left. But I still liked political history, public policy. I still had strong feelings about a lot of the issues in those days. Women's liberation, Mm -hmm. civil rights, Vietnam, the environment, April 22nd, 1970, the first Earth Day. And in those days, all these groups used to set up tables in front of the student union and give away buttons Yeah, They were free. And I liked the graphics, the color, and I wouldn't say I was actually collecting. I was just taking it,
0: (laughs) like now, it's free, take it. And over the years, I realized... So you were beginning to collect buttons just from these tables in front of the student union in College Park at University of Maryland. Yes. And I began to realize that these
1: buttons graphically and
0: colorfully
1: probably depict our First Amendment freedoms of speech and assembly better than anything. The organizations were on the button, the dates, the events, they were colorful. And I just started to collect the buttons, the posters. Eventually, I made sure I had a photograph of myself at every event, the document I was did, there. And did you go to
0: events that you
1: disagreed with as well? Oh, my goodness, yes. Here's a list of about, you know, 110. Oh, yeah, i one, one day, you know, like recently, you know, whether it be a, a pro-life rally.
0: Oh, or I mean, I'm looking at this. Number 16. There's Glenn, more on the back, too. Glenn Beck, who's a very conservative Republican, restore honor rally. Yes. And number 17, John Stewart, rally to restore sanity. And he's a very liberal guy. So, obviously, you, uh, I also see our Darfur. In fact, the guy who started that is a former guest on Public Interest Podcast, David Rubenstein. So oh, line. I met have once at a public citizen meeting. There uh, you go. So there's. So clearly you get around, and you've done people across the political spectrum. I have photographs in here that show me not marching
1: with, but with my press pass, with the Ku Klux Klan. Wow, was that scary? How would you feel? Uh, well, there were only seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I did it to document the event, pick up the literature, and uh, this was an How instrument. do people view you?
0: I'll tell you what. The people... From where? From where I'm at or the people who know me? The people in these rallies, the KKK people, and the liberals, and the conservatives, and the Tea Party, all the different... They must know that... Do they know that you've been to their opposition rallies? And how do they view you? Do they view you as a journalist?
1: I am just a, a small fish. You've know, you got all these events. There's dozens, if not hundreds, of journalists. And uh, So you're one of the... I'm uh, just one of the pack. And I'm very honest when I... When I send in an application to be considered, mm-hmm. I don't lie. I don't, don't misrep- misrepresent myself. Uh, for years, I had, was representing the Cumberland Times News because I took photographs and made available information for them. They came under new management. They didn't feel it would be appropriate. So now Frostburg State University, I'm, I work with as a volunteer in their archives. They give me a letter, but when I apply to somebody, I'm straight up front. This is why I'm here, mm-hmm. to collect, take photographs. Share it
0: with now what's everybody. motivating you? You told me that you originally saw how uh, political decisions impacted the lives of people in Cumberland, but that still doesn't s- explain 60 years of collecting pins and different political uh, paraphernalia. It's, it's exciting. You're, you know, It's not just a demonstration of marches, but you know,
1: because of my job and stuff, I had a lot of opportunities to go to the National Governors Association. I go to the CPAC. Conferences, West which, for our listeners who don't know, is Conservative Political Action Committee. That is correct. You know, and to do, the, and it's just exciting. These these
0: books, you know, some people might like to have their photograph taken with a. And for our listeners who can't see oh. right now, Al's placing his hand on about three-inch-high binders, oh, yeah. full to the brim with many photographs in plastic sleeves, a black and white yeah. color from from across the decades. Yeah, and like. There's one from the
1: 1978, the National ERA March. I'm with Equal Gloria, Rights Amendment, which is for right. women. Yeah, this was from 1978. And I'm there with Gloria Steinem, and she asked me for my autograph. And She then, knew who you were? No. I asked her for hers, and right. she was very gracious. And, said, <laughs> no, you get, and it shows us doing that. Yeah. And then I have one with Phyllis Schlafly from, I think, 2016, shortly before she passed away. And just the juxtaposition of those two, Gloria Steinem,
0: and then I have Hillary Clinton and Sarah Palin. So, if, I don't know if the listeners can hear, but these is the sound of buttons yeah. right here. And I want you to select a button. And these are a few buttons. And as I go through, I see, war is not the answer, fcnl.org. I see, I March for Equality, October 11, 2009. I see, uh, let's see, uh, God Bless Free Enterprise. from uh,
1: uh, the Libertarian Party.
0: Peace Now, National Organization for Women. That's from
1: 1971, that particular button. Why
0: uh, not Coal U M W A? United uh, Coal Work, you know, uh,
1: United Mine Workers. Uh, so you,
0: you know. have a whole bunch of buttons here. What do they? What do they mean to you? What story are they telling? What's the narrative here?
1: Well, first of all, to me, well, they're duplicates. That might, you know, they're the ones if you want to pick a few. Um, that was from oh yeah that was from the Earth Day. I'm now holding a wooden token. <laughs> yeah, well, this, I picked this up at the uh, Earth Day from 2015, and that was kind of. I'll tell you just a little thing. I went to the first Earth Day, April 22nd, mm-hmm. 1970, down College, you know, in the National Mall. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I've gone to a few of the recent ones, and they're like all corporate now. So I don't. Anyway,
0: what do they mean to me? Um, it sounds like it's a conglomerate of different stories and memories oh. and individual personalities that you've associated with each event, and each, each uh, pin is kind of like a memory token. You hit the nail on the head. If you were to look through these pictures, let me, two stories.
1: Mm-hmm. My wife is sitting over there laughing at me. Um, our first date, Yeah. Uh, now I live 160 miles away from Washington, our first date I decided to take her down to the Smithsonian Now back in the 70s I co- cooperated with it was then it was called the Museum of History and Technology and I gave them a bunch of buttons and I have letters here to document all that.
0: In fact you even have a poster yes over there and what does the poster show?
1: Well oh, the poster it's sold out now I'm not trying to hawk anything the poster sold at the Smithsonian from 2005 up to about 2013 it's a button poster of cause buttons both sides but. Our first date, we went down to the Museum of History, and yeah. Museum of American History. I wanted to show her some buttons that you might have had on that I donated. All right. When we left, right outside, this was in October, nineteen seventy-five, nine, seventy-nine, was the first national march for lesbian and gay rights. Wow! This was pre-AIDS. Everybody was in white shirts, blue jeans, wonderful, and. I, and I saw a guy from the Los Angeles Gay Freedom Marching Band, and I have a picture here, with a big bass drum, and he's wearing a swell button. And I said, can I have that button? And he said, well, our, I guess it's marimba or whatever those shakers are that you shake. He said, our marimba player hasn't shown up yet. Maracas? Maracas, yes. Yeah. <laughs> our maraca player hasn't shown up yet you can march with us to the Washington Monument I'll give you mine. <laughs> and I said, well, my, my date's over and all of a sudden somebody blew a whistle. He gave me the marimpas? Maracas. Maracas. And I'm marching two blocks from the Museum of American History to the Washington Monument where's Washington. your date? Well, that's it. She sees me and she, she starts <laughs> running up
0: and she's running next to me. You take a date, is this a first date?
1: First date. You take
0: a first date 160 miles away from home down to the nation's capital and you're a man and she's a woman and next thing you know you're joining a gay pride pie parade I loved it and she she starts running said what are you doing
1: you're supposed to be with me and I what did I tell you I said I can get a date anytime but when am I going to get a button like this and imagine,
0: she's still here today looking at us conducting the interview that's, as his wife, so clearly... Yeah, she's good. She, and, uh, she understood she's getting herself into it. He I know we can't
1: see it, but I have the photographs documenting all this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's she's gone with me on a few of these. I, when I've asked her to, this is not her cup of tea, but yeah. if we're going down here, we'll get a room for overnight, maybe go to the Lincoln Center. I have to bribe her to do this. Sometimes, I think it was in early 2001, it was a Either the pre-Iraq demonstration or uh, international monetary fund yep. we got caught in some tear gas at Dupont Circle. Oh my God! But uh, she's a good sport. But I'm 68 now and I can't run as fast as I used to. So. and like I said, I usually just take the pictures. I like, don't don't get involved. So you're a in photographer
0: and a collector. I'm Do they any... get in the way of each other?
1: Uh, no, I'm not a professional photographer. I'm still using an old-fashioned digital camera. Old-fashioned and digital don't sound like they go well together. Well, considering that I was using what a 35 mm whatever yeah. it was. But, uh, but you yeah. said you took pictures uh, for. In other for words, Frostburg. people use their cell phones now. So.
0: Right, right. But you said you took pictures for Frostburg and for uh, the Cumberland newspaper.
1: Well, the Cumberland newspaper, along, you know, not not so much them anymore, but for Frostburg and also for a lot of the organizations, local groups, and schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always post a lot of these
0: things up, and students use them. So why do you use the phrase, the Where's Waldo of the demonstration world? Well, it comes from the fact... Uh, First of I, all, for our listeners who don't know, what is Where's Waldo?
1: It, I think it's an old cartoon cartoon that there was some, some tall, skinny guy, and you always used to have to find him in a well, big, you know, massive people. Yeah,
0: it was a book yeah. for kids, and there's a, a lot of illustrations. It's very busy, and, and he has a uh, red and white stripe. Right sweater and cap on his head and you're supposed to find him in like a thousand little pictures on the page exactly cartoon on a page and then like find his dog and cane and yeah. whatever alright
1: well what I, the reason I sort of you know I don't formally refer to myself at that yeah you know when I was well, I mean,
0: yeah. so why is it
1: well when I started telling people where I was going mm-hmm. they didn't believe me yeah like the Ku Klux Klan or or whatever and that there was only one event there but whatever uh-huh. you know and I started making sure I had a photograph of myself at the event with signs and stuff to document prove you were there whether it be Darfur or uh, you name it just yeah. to prove I was there now people say oh you photoshopped that I don't even there I
0: don't wasn't even know what, photoshop in the 70s look I don't
1: even know what photoshop is
0: <laughs> I'm, I am 68 I'm archaic how are you known in the field do you have a nickname no do people come to you and say, "Hey, Al"? Do they know you on a first name basis? Like, are you you've gotten around enough that people know you at these, recognize you at these marches and stuff? Um, some of the people who do
1: the registration, you know, they'll recognize me when I send an application, stuff like this. But in terms of the players themselves, no. Like I said, I am just, you know, there's thousands of people at these things, hundreds of media, real media, real. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. So and I'm just a slob. I yeah. carry an ID and that's
0: about it. So Al, you have a real unique insight, right? You have a longitudinal memory of American politics, oh. the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and teens. That's, that's a significant amount of time. And you've been in demonstrations over all these decades... You've been able to see transformations, you've been um, able to see the issues. We don't talk about the ERA anymore, but yet... Well, there's, apparently there's a movement, but it's dead. And I also have agents. I call
1: them agents. I have friends and family in New York, L.A., Detroit, Los Angeles, Austin. But when you said about the longitudinal perspective... You know, there's old saying in Ecclesiastics, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and I've been watching C-SPAN since 79 when they started. And sometimes I just want to go outside and poke a pencil in my eye. <laughs> but recently, I think it was the uh, Journey for uh, Justice. Oh, yeah, it was Al Sharpton's Justice for All March. Yeah. That was held a couple years ago in the National Mall. By the way, this list are all events that I have buttons from, from that have occurred on the National Mall. I think this is a point, comprehensive
0: list for you. Yeah. It's, 1978
1: all the way oh, through the, 2017. Yeah. But uh, Al Sharpton had his Justice for All rally in March a couple of years ago. The date's on there. Yeah. And I was there taking photographs and I was aware with everything. And everybody was crowded around Al Sharpton. And I'm not going to make any editorial pins on Al Sharpton. But there was this big, huge mob around him. And once again, I have photographs that document this. And behind the stage, at least for that time when I saw him, standing all alone was some guy who looked very familiar to me, Dick Gregory. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, all of these people crowding Al Sharpton. For our
0: listeners who don't know who's Dick Gregory?
1: Oh, Dick, Dick Gregory, and he just passed away, you know, like, like maybe a year ago. He was a civil rights activist, comedian, uh, late 60s, 70s, all the way up to now. Just not in terms of civil rights, but human rights, women's rights. He is a gentleman who sacrificed his health and fortune for a cause. The hunger strikes, things like this. He is an icon. I call him the real deal. But here was Dick Gregory just standing all by. I think I, I, think I might have scanned and sent you a photo of that. Huh. So he was ignored. At, at that period of time, for those 10 or 15 minutes or so when I was staring and No one recognized him, him. Not them. But you knew him. Did you yeah. go up him? Oh, I have pictures of me with him, And I actually talked with them for about 5 to 10 minutes. Very gracious. Very sincere. And I remember I had met him once years before at some event, either at uh, Columbia University where I yeah, used to spend my summers visiting my brothers or the University of Maryland. But for those 10 minutes or so... And the pictures documented. He was by himself. Now, maybe later he was introduced to speak when they had the big speaking thing up at the Capitol steps. He might have been mobbed by millions and millions of people later. But for that period of time, I thought here is, you know, a hero. I mean, you may not agree with everything he said or did, but this guy walked the talk. Mm-hmm. And when you say the longitudinal, the You think back 40 or 50 years, you think, you know, that's the type of stuff that sticks in my mind and I hear people talking and saying things a day and, you know, anyway. Are
0: the types of people who join these protests the same types of people who joined them in the 70s? Um, There have always been, I call them uh,
1: fringe or collateral groups. If you had a a protest or a march or rally for one thing, there would always be these other groups that sort of joined in. Uh, and of course now it's a lot different you have a, you have like talk radio cable TV, Instagram Twitter, Facebook uh, websites chain listservs it brings a lot of people together real quick but I've noticed and I think the word's conflation would that be right I see a lot of different issues now I, well I was at the, a national convention for women in Detroit last week and you saw everything from immigration, gun control, Palestinian rights, uh, abortion. uh, There were about eight or nine different organizations, groups there, joining in on, on this thing. And you see it at the demonstrations, whether it be the right or the left. You'll have all these other groups joining in on something, and you may not agree with them. You may be there for one purpose. And the bone that I have to pick is, these are the groups... I went to several of the Occupy demonstrations, I went to several of the Tea Party rallies. When you talk to the rank and file, mm-hmm. most of these people have concerns over the same type of issues, uh, mistrust of big government and big business. But once you see, quote, the media get involved, they sort of pick out the, ex- the extremes, Right. and they're the ones that sensationalize it, publicize it. Keep it going, and that's the impression the American public gets of a lot of these groups. And it's uh, sometimes not really, you know,
0: a more moderate stream in American rallies.
1: I I really really believe that from talking to the people, seeing the people, and things. That's not to say there aren't some extremist views, but I don't like the way people from either side are demonized. There needs to be, you know, somebody has a different idea of a political philosophy or public policy. And they're sincere about it. I don't think they need to be demonized or shut up. And that's another thing I'm concerned about: the free speech. You know, I'm not a scholar. I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I see concerns about people being able to speak in a public forum, public debate, share their ideas.
0: I'm wondering if you might reflect on the role of demonstrations in society uh, across time. What what does it mean? to have what is the role that demonstrations have played in the formation of modern day american society okay i'm not a historian i'm not a scholar yeah this is just but you've been there on the ground
1: i think in the early days with vietnam the women's movement civil rights not just the demonstrations but some of the reactions to those demonstrations like in alabama i think it played a key role in moving public opinion and public policy
0: do you think they yeah. are they, that rallies have been effective at moving public opinion and public policy in the past? I now it's
1: I go to these things and first of all, I think the, our elected officials. I think there's a different breed now mm-hmm. than there were in the past. Elaborate on that. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of our elected officials on the national level, are more mm-hmm. interested in getting reelected than in serving some type of national purpose. A lot of things can play
0: into that gerrymandering self-interest. Do you think they're more interested in being re-elected now than congressmen in 1968 were interested in being re-elected?
1: I'm sure the congressmen in 1968 had just as much concern to be re-elected, but I also think they were willing, I think they were more moderate, I think they were willing to work together, and I think they wanted to work more for a national purpose. And here's where people, if there's anybody listening to this, on either side of the aisle, left, right, you name it, I'll probably get beat up when I walk out of here. But I tend to think now the media, a lot of, I'm painting a broad brush here, not including everybody, but the media, elected officials, Mm -hmm. special interests, have a desire to maintain the status quo. When, when I was driving down, like 160 miles from here, I was listening to POTUS radios on Sirius. I was listening to NPR, C-SPAN. And I'm listening to all the hearings, the quotes and stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, what does this have to do with the things that really affect us either on an international level or domestically? These so a lot people of fraction issues. Yes. They're fighting each other about this junk, it's like, I, look, I go back to 1967, a pox on both their houses. I'm, I used to be skeptical, now I'm cynical, but I'll still collect the stuff, and, and I also still have my personal opinions on a lot of these things, but I just don't publicize them. Cause do you vote? Do I vote? Sure. Sure. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I split the ticket.
0: yeah. So as we...
1: Um, I'd like to see something there. And I think, I think somebody said it was unconstitutional. You know, every, every voting cycle you hear all the... I'll call them pundits, you know, talk about, well, if you don't vote, you don't have a right to do this and that. Well, maybe they should put a line there that says none of the above.
0: So uh, <laughs> we are approaching the end of this podcast, and I'd like to ask you a final two-part question. Al, suppose you're speaking... The people who have been going to these rallies or have once been to a rally or once desired to go to a rally or thinking about going to rally in the future. Would you talk to those people right now and tell them why it is that it's so important to get involved, why you what your collection of pins and political paraphernalia means and what you hope your legacy will be.
1: I think it's important to get involved. We're talking about the rallies and demonstrations. Number one, if you feel strongly about something, even though I say it may not as much influence as I once had, I think it's important to physically get out there and lend your support in a way that is in a constitutional way as pertains to the First Amendment and Assembly. Be one, to put your body on the line, not in danger, but go out there and do that. Second reason is it's, you're seeing American history be made. You know, it's American history. And in in terms of a legacy, I've never thought. You know, there's people ask, "How much are these buttons worth?" And I have fifteen thousand stuff. I've never thought about that. Seems like they're worth a whole
0: lot to you in terms of memories. And it's the memories and what they represent. It's what
1: they represent. And I'm looking for a place now where they can be housed. I don't want to sell them. I can't sell them. How can you sell that one at a time? But but uh, and not just the buttons, we're talking about banners, posters, but the legacy is somebody who preserved and documented all this stuff, because the history goes with the buttons. Uh, I think that's important. You know, it's like a, when I started you know, working, not work, you know, for for about two years, I gave some buttons and met with the Smithsonian. And I remember somebody down there made a comment that for years this stuff was happening right on their front porch or their front yard, and nobody went out to collect that stuff. Now I think they actually send teams out to collect these things. Now I could be wrong in that. Let's face it, we're going back on this 50 years, but that's a legacy. I, it's a hobby. It's fun. It documents the public policy debates, the history, our First Amendment freedoms of speech and assembly. And I know I probably said some things that don't, you know, you sit well with some people, but, you know, that's me.
0: And that has been Al Feldstein, the political collector of cause, protest, campaign... It's Feldstein.
1: I don't want to be mixed up with Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) It's Stein, not Stein.
0: Al Feldstein, collector of uh, buttons and banners, photos, the Where's Waldo, the Demonstration World... You want
1: to see my picture with me with Rose McGinn? I'm sorry, I'm going nuts here.
0: And uh, Al is essentially describing himself as a librarian of 20th century politics. He has been collating and collecting... He's been documenting and describing real history, political American political history being made in the process on the ground. He's been there. He's met the players, and uh, perhaps the most valuable thing he offers is an assemblage of memories represented by these items. Uh, and through all of it, uh, he uh, he assigns uh, he attributes the importance of all his work to advancing the public interest. Uh, to the First Amendment. A lot of his work are to- is, is, is towards reinforcing the importance of the First Amendment, freedom of assembly and freedom of expression. Uh, and in this way, through collecting these items, documenting this history, witnessing American history, and being permitted uh, and witnessing others exercising their First Amendment rights, Al uh, advances public interest. So Al, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. You honored me. Thank you very much. Today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker. They're an online eyeglasses company that for $95 provides you prescription lenses and frames, which is basically a third to a fourth the cost of getting eyeglasses uh, traditionally through your uh, optometrist. I know that I have terrible vision and uh, I'm always needing uh, to pay a few hundred dollars when I get a new pair of eyeglasses. So that's the thing I like about Warby Parker is it's basically the same quality you'd otherwise get but it's for a fraction of the cost. So if you go to warbyparkertrial.com slash public interest, uh, using that uh, URL at the very end, uh, referencing this podcast, uh, you'll get a special free five-day trial try-on with five pairs, five days, 100% free. They ship it out for free, and you can return them all for free. So again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash public interest. Uh, enjoy. This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. I'll remind you to subscribe on publicinterestpodcast.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And please join the conversation by calling 240-630-0380 or emailing engage at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.